0: man of the Lord tonight, Samford's coming. I to just like to put in his heart, his spirit for us here tonight. I want to receive it, and I know you do too. We want to hear the word of God. We want to be obedient to it. We want to love it, respect it. Hallelujah. There's nothing like the word, man, that can keep us, that can deliver us. And you know what? We're all going to give account for it one day. We're going to face the word again. Amen. We're going to face it. God, you help us to be ready. In Bendale, Mississippi. In that moment, in that time, to face you. That's the reason he sends good men like this. and evangelists, a five-fold ministry. Amen. To prepare us for that moment. Prepare us for that hour. So I want Brother Sanford to come. We we'll love and appreciate him. Amen. Let's give him a good Ben well. Bendel, welcome this pulpit tonight. God bless him.
1: Come on, let's give the Lord some praise in the house tonight. Come on! If you know He's worthy, why don't you offer up a praise right now? Oh, we love you, Jesus. Oh, there's nobody like you, and nobody's worthy of the praise. Aren't you thankful you serve that kind of God tonight? Amen. If you have your Bibles, I will quickly go to First Samuel chapter 17, and uh, we will read verse number one of First Samuel 17. And uh, as you're finding that tonight, would like to once again give honor uh, to the leadership of this great church, Brother and Sister Moore, and uh, all the ministry that's represented here, uh, all of those that labor and do everything that you do to make uh, the kingdom of God grow and be better. And uh, I give you honor tonight. And everybody that's in the house of the Lord, thank you for being here on a Sunday evening. Amen. I believe... Uh, The Lord wants to do something great every time we come into his house. I believe that. And I believe he wants to do no less than that this this evening. I finished the sermon this morning by uh, referencing the blood. And if it's all right, we're going to pick up from that tonight. And um, we're going to just go a little bit further if that's all right for a few moments tonight. Um, They sing about it. Uh, you don't know it, but Brother Moore, he preached my sermon today for tonight in the closing remarks of the service this morning, and uh, then he got all over it again a few minutes ago, and I, you know what, that, uh, that makes me feel a lot better, and, um, but I'm not going to tell you what he said because I'm supposed to preach, and uh, I believe you'll know it when we get there, uh, but I believe the Lord wants to speak to our hearts again tonight, amen. How many is thankful for the Word of God in your life? Amen, I'm thankful for the word of the Lord that we have, not just on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, but every day of our life we can open up that book, and the answers are in that book. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse number one, the Bible says, "Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and they were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah." The Bible says they pitched, the Philistines pitched, or they camped between Shoko and Azekah, in a place called Ephes-Demim. The Bible says the Philistines had gathered together their armies to battle, and they pitched, or they camped, between Shoko and Azekah, in a place called Ephes-Demim. Yes, we're going to talk about David and Goliath tonight, and I understand it's very common and it's a well-worn story in the Bible, uh, but I believe the Lord is going to help us look at this a little bit different tonight if you're going to help me for a few moments. I don't know if I'll, if I'll preach this, if I'll teach this, but I, I do know where the Holy Ghost wants us to end up at, and I believe the Lord is going to help us to get there. The Bible says the Philistines pitched between Shoko and Azekah in a place called Ephes-Demim. I want to talk to you tonight for a few moments about the boundary of the blood. The boundary of the blood. If you're going to let me preach, why don't you give the Lord one more great hand clap of praise all over this house. Come on, one more time. Why don't we just fill this house with praise before we're seated. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this evening. The who of the story is a boy named David and a man named Goliath. David was born in the land of Judah in Bethlehem. He was the eighth and youngest son of a Ephratite man named Jesse. And most of David's adolescent years were balanced between his two passions, tending his father's sheep and playing and writing music. Goliath hailed, according to Scripture, from the Philistine city called Gath. According to the Bible, this man's height was six cubits and a span, which would mean that this man stood anywhere between eight and a half to nine feet tall. And not only was he someone who towered over many of his foes, but Goliath was also a man who was called the champion of the Philistines. And in order to fully comprehend exactly what the Bible is inferring, we must first understand the word champion comes from the Hebrew word, which means a middleman or a man between the two. And the idea is that this champion or this middleman was a man. Who stood between two opposing armies and fought as the representative of his army. In order to stand in the middle and serve as a middleman, if you are going to fight as the representative of your army, understand tonight that you had to be more than just some common soldier or someone wanting to just hold a sword and serve your nation. But if you are going to be that representative, if you are going to be that middleman, if you are going to carry the title as the champion, you had to be a man whose prowess on a battlefield surpassed the rest of those whom you marched beside. And so Goliath was, no doubt, a legend of war in his day. The what of the story is found within the same chapter we read. Because when we continue reading in 1 Samuel 17, we see that how the Philistines stood on one side of a mountain and the Israelites stood on the opposite side of a mountain. And between these armies was a valley. And the Bible tells us that for 40 days, the champion of the Philistine army would emerge. And twice a day for 40 days, this champion would defiantly issue the challenge for the Israelites. Israelites to send him their middleman so they may fight together this was the custom of which battles were won and lost two middlemen two champions two representatives meeting and fighting in a valley with everything on the line and some 80 times Goliath stared God's people in the face and made the statement that if your man is able to fight with me and kill me then we will be your servant But if I prevail and kill him, then you will be our servants." The wind of the story according to most theologians uh, occurred between 1027 and 1025 B.C. In order to understand the why of this story uh, you and I must backtrack to the book of Exodus from where we read uh, because it's there in the book of Exodus where we read the promise uh, that the Lord gave Abraham that told him uh, that the promised land of Israel would include the territory uh, of the Philistines. Uh, and because of this battle and conflict would assuredly ensue even after Joshua had taken the mantle from Abraham and continued to lead Israel through the wilderness he makes mention of how the land of the Philistines was still one of those areas that remained to be defeated and because the Philistines had not been completely eradicated they were no doubt the perpetual thorn and constant antagonist toward the the nation of Israel. And these wars between the Israelites and the Philistines spilled all throughout a time when judges had been appointed to rule. Jephthah, Shamgar, and even Samson all fought against the Philistine militia. These battles stretched even through the days of Eli until they erupted in the setting of our text tonight. Hang on to me for a few moments because the truth is the who and the what and the when and the why of this story is something that most of us if not all of us in this room is very accustomed to tonight. The familiarity bleeds out of the text because the story of David and Goliath is one of those Sunday school classics we all learned about at a very young age. No doubt the battle of David and Goliath has become one of the most recognized passages in that Bible because of the repetition attention we continually give the story but allow me to let you know exactly where I'm coming from tonight because the truth is I have not come to this pulpit to preach about the who or the story I have not come to preach about the what or the when or even the why but the premise of my sermon for a few moments tonight is going to be found in the where of the story because for years every detail of this story has captured and garnered our attention. uh, But I've come to look at that one detail we've possibly overlooked. uh, And when you and I see the where of this story, uh, when we look exactly where this battle takes place, Pastor, uh, can I tell us it brings an entirely uh, different dynamic uh, to this story in general. Uh, The Bible tells us from our text tonight uh, that the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. uh, And they were gathered at Shoko, uh, which belongeth to Judah when they pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephes-Demim. Look carefully now at the primary places mentioned in this one verse. The Philistines had encamped between Shoko and Azekah. Those two words in the Hebrew literally mean to fence in or to fence about. But the Bible says they camped between those locations in a place called Ephes-Demim. And it is this word, Ephes to Mim. It is in this very location where David will later come face to face with Goliath. And I've come to tell us it is not a coincidence that this is the very place where David will later kill Goliath. Because I've come to remind this congregation at the outset of the sermon tonight it matters where you fight your enemy. I've come to remind everybody in this room that, yes, we're in spiritual warfare. And yes, we're in a spiritual battle. And I've come to remind every soul in this house, it matters where you go to fight. It matters where you go to battle. It matters where you fight your enemy. So, when we begin to look closer at this place where the Philistines had encamped, when we look at Ephes demim, it's a compound word because the first word effect comes from the word that simply means to cease or to end. And the word damn in the end literally means blood or bloods. Understand with me that first word effect means more than just the cessation or the end of a thing, but it simply means to go no further, Brother Troy. In essence, it is the line in the sand. It's where you and I get the term boundary. And so when you put this word together, to me literally means in the Hebrew, the boundary of the bloods. And so the Bible says it is here in to me at the boundary of the blood where the Philistines had camped. And there were some who have come to suggest the reason why this location became known as the boundary of the bloods is because if you are to stand in those mountain regions uh, and look down at that valley uh, they tell me because of the continual plowing through the years uh, because of the farmers uh, who would perpetually go in that valley uh, they said the red clay literally looked like blood flowing through that valley uh, but you continue to dig deeper uh, and then you realize the reason it gained the name the boundary of the blood uh, is because it was because of the frequent battles uh, that were fought in that area and the amount of blood that was shed in that location. Hang on to me because we're right there tonight. Look at it now. It's in 1 Samuel 17. The Bible says the Philistines had made war again against the nation of Israel. But what they did not know this time was going to be different because this time they had traveled between the fences and they arrived at the boundary of the blood. I've come to tell everybody in this house that the entire Philistine army uh, had unknowingly set themselves up for a defeat uh, when they tried to fight God's people uh, at the boundary of the blood and so my message tonight is very simple Uh, the next time the enemy of your soul uh, comes against your family uh, and the next time the enemy uh, comes against your marriage uh, I've come to tell this congregation uh, victory can be uh, and victory will be obtained if you fight your battle at the boundary of the blood. I've come to tell everybody in this house there's a place we can go to. There's a place we can stand at. If we stand at the boundary of the blood, victory is going to be given. Goliath, you should have made war against Israel somewhere else. Goliath, you should have defied the God of Israel somewhere else. Goliath, you should have fought David somewhere else. But the moment you stood at the boundary of the blood, the tide began to turn and the momentum shifted because as long as we fight inside the bloodline, the enemy cannot and the enemy will not prevail. I've come to tell everybody in this house, there's a place we can go to. There is a line that we can stand behind that when the enemy begins to fight and the enemy begins to attack and the war begins to rage I've come to tell us there is a line in the spirit where the enemy is rendered powerless and stripped of their authority there is a line of demarcation in the spirit and I've come to tell somebody if you'll fight your battles inside the blood if you'll fight your spirits inside the blood there's no authority and there's no power that can penetrate everything changed the moment the Philistines arrived at de Mem everything began to shift and turn when they arrived at the boundary of the blood you see when Japan surrendered to the allies in the year 1945 the Korean peninsula was split into two zones of occupation the Soviets controlled North Korea while the United States controlled South Korea. And I would remind us, dividing the north from the south was a line called the 38th parallel. And North Korea understands to this very day that if we cross that line, if we put a toe over that line, if we go an inch over the 38th parallel, North Korea understands we're not only going to have to fight South Korea, but there's an army in America that's about to rise up. And I've come to tell somebody in this, house, there's a line in the spirit that if the enemy steps over, if there's a line in the spirit that the enemy dares to cross, there's an army that's about to come to where you are. I wish somebody in this house would get the understanding. I'm about to fight inside the blood. I'm about to battle inside the blood. There's victory that God will give the church. If we understand there's a place you got to fight at, there is a line of spiritual demarcation. And anytime the enemy gets too close to your home, anytime the enemy gets too close to my home, anytime hell tries to attack my family, anytime the devil tries to come against the church, we can rise up and use the power and authority that's in the blood. You may not kill Goliath by yourself, but heaven's about to come to where you are. You may be no match for your giant, but heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. I'm telling somebody in this house, reinforce. Can be sent if you stand at the boundary of the blood. Use the blood and watch God send reinforcements to where you are. You can be victorious. We can be victorious, Pastor, if we fight our battles on the right side of the bloodline. Let me just make it somewhat clearer. Let you know exactly what I'm preaching about tonight. I'm probably different from every other preacher in this room. It takes me a little longer to get things than God tries to tell me. God started giving me this message all the way back in 2013, and I didn't even know it. It took me seven years to get my mind wrapped around this. But I remember it was just a few days after our oldest son, Klein, our second, born had been, our second child had been born. I had yet to go full-time. At that point, I was still working my job. And I remember me and Heidi, my daughter, goes to the bedroom to go to sleep, and my wife keeps Klein in the other room. And Brother Moore, I remember about 3 o'clock, one of those that morning, just a couple of days after Klein had come home from the hospital, my daughter wakes me up about 3 o'clock in the morning. Brother Troy's screaming as loud as I've ever heard her scream in her life. She's only three years old at the time. Not even three years old. And so I jump out of bed, cut the light on. I think she's had either a bad dream or she's fell out of bed. Something's gone wrong because of the horrific screams that she was letting out. And once I got her controlled and settled down and once the tears stopped flowing out of her face, I said, Heidi, what's wrong? Tell Daddy what happened. And she said, Daddy, I don't know, but a few minutes before you woke up, she said, I woke up. It's pitch black in the room. And she said, I saw this figure standing in the Corner. She's not even three years old, Brother Troy. And she's trying to communicate to me what she saw. And what I was able to decipher was this. She woke up and there's a figure standing in the corner of our bedroom. It had a hood over its face, there were colors flashing across its face. And from what I was able to get from her, she said it stuck its finger out and began to chant things she didn't even understand. And at that point, I understood it's not time to go back to bed. And once I got hot, he settled down and back to sleep daddy hits the floor and daddy starts praying but brother more as soon as i started praying that spirit defiantly walks back in my bedroom points his finger in my face And in my mind, I can hear all these things cursing my marriage, uh, cursing my family, cursing our home, uh, cursing ministry, everything. Uh, I mean, the most ungodly images were going in my mind uh, as I saw this spirit standing in my bedroom. uh, And at that moment, I understood something's going on. uh, And so, Brother Moore, I've been in this all my life. uh, I said every fancy saying I could think of, uh, every cliche I'd heard in my years, uh, I threw it all out. uh, But that spirit still stood there defiantly, uh, it did not move. uh, When all of a sudden, in the midst of this 20-minute ordeal, something came over me, and I looked at that spirit, and before I realized it, I said, Spirit, you get this one thing straight. The blood of Jesus is against you, and as soon as I said it, As soon as it left my lips, uh, that spirit let out a shriek uh, and it ran out of my house. Uh, I'm telling somebody tonight, uh, you've got power and you've got authority if you'll just use what God. I wish somebody right now would stand up in authority and rebuke the adversary. You've got the blood. It's time to use it. You've got authority. It's time to use it. That spirit runs out of my bedroom. I open the door. I follow it down the hall, Brother Troy. It runs out of my house. I walk out of my house. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm chasing this thing out of my house. uh, Because don't just leave my house. uh, I want you off my property. And every step I took, I said, the blood's against you. The blood's against you. The blood's against you. And that thing backed up. And before I realized it, it ain't just left my house. It was off my property. And it went down the road somewhere else. I'm telling somebody, you've got everything you need. If you've got the blood, it's time to fight at the boundary of the blood. Standing there. Standing there in my driveway, all this is going on. It's 3 or 30 in the morning by now. And it's like the Holy Ghost grabbed my spirit out of my body. I don't know what happened. To this day, I don't know what happened. I know I'm standing in my driveway. But it's like the Holy Ghost grabs my spirit out of my body. uh, And now I'm looking at an elevated position of my house uh, because I'm up over hovering my house. uh, I know I'm in the driveway, uh, but I see my house, Brother Troy. uh, And I see my driveway. uh, I see the tree line. uh, I see in the backyard the deck. uh, I see my shed. I see the kids' play box. uh, I see the kids' swing set, all those things. uh, When all of a sudden uh, there was a line, red stream, that began to flow down my boundary of my property. uh, And the Holy Ghost spoke to me uh, and said, don't you ever forget you've got power in the blood. And I'm telling somebody in this house, it's time to stand inside the blood. And it's time to go to battle. It's time to fight. I wish somebody right now would just throw your hands up and use what God has given you. I learned right then I learned it may get inside the blood, but it can't stay there. It may get inside my house, but it doesn't have to stay there. I feel my Holy Ghost right. i got to move on, but I feel my Holy Ghost. It may get on my house, my property, but it ain't got to stay there. I'm telling somebody right now, I refuse to live with devils longer than I've got to. It's time for somebody to rise up and say, enough's enough. The attack stops now. The battle stops now. It's time to go to Ephesimim. It's time to go to the bloodline and use what God has given the shout of the blood you're on has always mattered can i can i go a little further with this and we'll we'll be all right in exodus god has been dealing with pharaoh about letting the children of israel out of captivity through moses he goes and says let my people go but we understand, according to the Bible, Pharaoh hardens his heart. And so, because of Pharaoh's stubbornness, God sends plagues throughout the land. Watch carefully now. Water was turned into blood, frogs were released, lice began to spread. Wild beasts, which many believe to be scorpions, were sent throughout that land. Disease killed the livestock, boils formed upon their bodies, hail rained from the sky, locusts devoured the land, and darkness fell upon the land but because Pharaoh still refused. God says to Moses, I now will send the tenth and final plague And it's going to be more than just water going to blood. It's going to be more than just hell raining from the sky. God tells Moses, I will send the death angel. And he's going to walk throughout the land. He's going to walk into every house. And he's going to take the firstborn out of that house. It's amazing that when you read that story, the death angel wasn't just sent to Egypt. The death angel had access into every home. It could have killed every Israelite in that place. But God says, I'm going to send a remedy. He said, I've got a plan for you, Israel. He said, this is what you got to do. He said, every family's got to take and kill a pure spotless lamb. And you're going to take a hyssop branch and you're going to strike the blood on the door sides of the house and upon the upper post of your doorway. And the Bible says that that night, as the death angel moved throughout the land and entered into every house and took the firstborn, there was only one thing that was going to stop the death angel from entering that house. It was the boundary of the blood that Been applied to that doorway. The only thing that was going to stop the death angel. The only thing that was going to stop death from coming was the bloodline. In fact, the Bible says the destroyer is what they call him. The destroyer was unable to come in and smite those who would applied the blood because I've come to remind us the destroyer has no access where the blood has been applied. And it's time for somebody in this house to rise up and say the death has got to leave and the destroyer's got to go because no access is granted if the blood has been applied. It's amazing that on one side of that boundary there was death. But on the other side there's life on one side of that boundary there's weeping and sorrow but on the other side there's rejoicing and there's victory because once again we see the principle what side of the blood you're on has always mattered and to take it a step further God speaks to Israel again and he says the blood shall be a token upon the house that word token is the word oath and it simply means a signal such as a flag and there's going to be times in our lives and there's going to be times in your life when the enemy presses in, but if the blood is on your side, there's an oath and there's a signal and there's a flag that's going to prevent the enemy from entering. Maybe that's why the prophet said, Brother Moore, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord is going to raise up a standard against him that word standard is the same word for oath it is a flag it's a line of demarcation it's almost like God was telling Israel when the enemy begins to come in like a flood I'm about to stand up and I'm going to put a flag in the ground and I'm going to look at that spirit and tell him you've come far enough and I'm telling somebody in this house if you'll take that blood if you'll take that flag and pierce it in the ground the enemy cannot uh, fulfill what he wants to do. What would happen in this house if there were some families who before we dismiss and go home said, you know what, I've got the blood in my life and I'm about to take that standard and I'm about to pierce it at the entrance of my house. I'm about to pierce it around my kids. I'm about to pierce it around my family because when the enemy comes in, God's about to lift up a standard. God's about to lift up a boundary. And I'm telling somebody in this house, it matters what side of the blood you're on. The blood was the difference maker for Israel. It made the difference for David. The armies of Israel had collided multiple times with the Philistines. But this time they fought their middleman. They fought their champion. But their champion falls at the hands of a boy. Simply because David understood, if I'm going to win this battle, i got to fight him at the boundary of the blood. And maybe there's people in this house tonight Maybe you've asked the question many times, like I have in my past Uh, How am I going to prevail this time? Or how am I going to get the victory this time? Uh, How will I overcome Goliath this time? Uh, I've come to inform inform you where you fight your battles uh, will determine the outcome of those battles. Uh, The story of David and Goliath gives us the answer. Uh, If you've got something standing in front of you, uh, if there's a Goliath in your path tonight, uh, what side of the blood you're on uh, is going to determine the outcome of that battle. uh, and I'm telling somebody in this house, uh, it's time to get on the side of the blood. Uh, it's time to come inside the boundary. Uh, because when you're inside the boundary, uh, you're fighting uh, from a position of victory. Right. Be seated for a few moments. Just all right, Pastor? The Bible tells us it's amazing that when you begin to look deeper into this, it's amazing that this battle takes place in the 17th chapter. First Samuel. Now that doesn't mean much until you realize the number 17 in your Bible represents victory. <laughs> if you're reading the story and you know numbers in the Bible, when you see what chapter the fight takes place in, it spoils the ending. Because you already know the outcome of that battle. Because the number 17 represents victory. Listen, it didn't matter that Goliath was eight and a half to nine feet tall. It didn't matter that his armor weighed 150 to 200 pounds. It didn't matter how intimidating Goliath was to everybody else. They're hiding in the tent. Saul is in the tent. It didn't matter how intimidated everybody else was. The chapter at the beginning gives away the ending because David was victorious because he's fought inside the boundary of the blood while everybody else ran and were fearful. While everybody else was intimidated, David stood defiantly and said, I'll fight that man if nobody else wants to fight him because I understand where I fight my enemies Has always mattered it's amazing for years people have called Goliath a giant I've said it myself I'm sure everybody in this house when you talk about Goliath you, you talk about the giant Goliath but the amazing thing is this David never calls him a giant You know what David calls him? An uncircumcised Philistine. Now wait a minute, David. You changed the entire narrative by using that one word, uncircumcised. Can I preach this right now? What David was saying was this when he called him an uncircumcised Philistine. That tells me this is more than just some cute Sunday school story we hear about. This is a covenant battle between God's people and the enemy of God's people. Because in the Old Testament, the covenant God makes with his people, Israel, was that he made a covenant through circumcision. Because God instructs Joshua to circumcise the people. Why? To roll away the reproach of Egypt off of them. And when David calls Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine, David is showing us this is the enemy making war against God's people. Listen, it's more than some cute little story. We remember when we were five years old in Sunday school, uh, but I believe this story uh, is a perfect depiction uh, of the spiritual warfare we're in the middle of right now uh, because can I remind us, we as the church uh, are warring against unholy alliances. uh, We are fighting uh, against evil spirits. uh, We are contending uh, against dark forces. uh, And I've come to remind us, uh, if you're going to engage in spiritual warfare uh, and if you're going to fight those spirits, uh, you better stay in. Inside the blood. God's people were fighting the Philistines who were not covenant people because David calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. He was simply telling us you're not a part of God's family. When you begin to study the Philistines, I'm going to move quickly through this, but when you begin to look at the Philistines, they were very superstitious people. When you begin to study them, And they tell me that the Philistines worshipped three gods of all things, three. Ashtaroth, Dagon, and Beelzebub. And archaeological findings show us that because they were so superstitious, many times when the Philistines would go into battle, they would take images of those three gods with them into battle. That's how superstitious they were. And they tell me that if you were there that day when the battle was going forth between David and Goliath and on one side was the Philistines on that mountain the other side were the Israelites. Brother Troy, they tell me that if you were to survey that mountain, more likely than not that the mountain the Philistines stood on, there were images of Ashtaroth and Dagon and Beelzebub all over that mountain because those were the gods that they worshipped. Ashtaroth. Who is Ashtaroth? you begin to look at Astaroth she was a fertility goddess of war i know we got young ears in the house so we're going to dance around this but we know the saying make love not war it came from astaroth with the Because Ashtaroth was a spirit of compromise that told everybody that was fighting against her, let's not draw swords over this. Let's not fight over this. You just compromise what you believe and you join what I believe. And can I tell us there's a spirit of Ashtaroth that's against the church right now? It's a spirit of Ashtaroth that tells us you ain't got to believe what you always believed. You ain't got to preach what you always believed. Let's not fight over this. Let's not draw swords. I feel my Holy Ghost right now. There's a spirit of compromise that wants to fight against the church. But I've come to tell somebody it's time to rise up and stand at the boundary of the blood and refuse to allow compromise to take hold. I will not compromise Acts 2.38. I will not compromise, John chapter 3. I will not compromise that without holiness no man shall see the Lord. I will not compromise that you got to repent and be baptized in Jim. I got any apostolics in the house. I will not compromise. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. I wonder if there's somebody in this house that's willing to fight against the spirit of Ashtaroth. This message is still worth fighting over. And I know I'm in a church that holds it near and dear, but let me just remind you what you already know. Uh, this message uh, is worth fighting over. Uh, this message uh, is worth battling over. Uh, this doctrine that we preach. Uh, I will not give my kids some watered down doctrine, uh, but if it worked for me, it'll work for them. Uh, if it worked for my parents, it'll work for me. Uh, there's a spirit uh, of compromise uh, we cannot allow to get uh, in the church. Then there's Dagon. It's another god that they worship. Half fish, half man. He was known as the fish god. Philistines worship this god. It's amazing that when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philistines, because they're superstitious. It's amazing that when they take the Ark, where did they put it? The temple of Dagon. Because it's become to be known as a spirit of entertainment. What did the Ark of the Covenant represent? God's presence, God's glory. We don't need that. We'll just put this in the temple of Dagon. And can I tell us right now, there's a spirit of Dagon that wants to try to creep into our churches uh, that says, you know what, just be entertained when you come to church. Uh, just go through gimmicks and rituals and routines when you come to church. Uh, listen, I'm as progressive as it comes uh, when it tries to reach in people and getting them to come back. Uh, I'm for programs. Uh, I'm for doing everything we can to reach them. Uh, I'll be like Paul. I'll try to become all things to all men uh, that I might save some. Uh, listen, I believe in doing everything we can. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, what's going to change them? Uh, And what's going to put their world back together is not a program. It's not entertainment. It's a move of God's presence. And every time we come in this house, that's what we need. Every time we're in this house, we need God's glory to shake this house. There's a spirit of Dagon that wants to try to reach its way in. Don't reach for his presence like you used to. Those moves of the Holy Ghost. Brother Moore was talking about this morning and tonight. Uh, that's yesterday news. Uh, just calm down and be ordinary and just fit in with everybody else. Uh, listen, they know who we are before they get here. Uh, and they're expecting what they've heard. Uh, and if we don't give them what they come looking for, uh, it's an endowment on us. Uh, I've come to tell somebody in this house, uh, when the abuse is going uh, and when the preaching's going forth, uh, there's got to be a moving uh, of God's Spirit. Uh, and we've got to fight the spirit of Dagon. Then there's the spirit of above, Lord of the flies, Lord of filth, spirit of perversion. And can I tell us if there is a spirit that has attacked our nation, it is a spirit of perversion. It is a spirit of filth. I'll tell you what it is. It's Beelzebub trying to reach its way into our schools. I'll tell you who this spirit tries to attack. It's our young people. It tries to pollute their minds and think, make them think they don't know which gender they are. Listen, I'm just going to preach right now because I feel a boldness on me. Listen, there's a spirit of Beelzebub that wants to get our young people confused. They don't, wanna, they don't know what bathroom to go through. I'm telling you, it's not just something that's going on. It's a spiritual battle we're in. And if we're going to fight that adversary, you better fight inside the bloodline because it's after our Kids. It's after our young people, but I believe I'm in a church tonight that's about to stand up and fight that spirit. You're about to stand at the boundary of the blood. The Bible calls Goliath a middleman, he represented all three spirits. David fought against a man that was representing a spirit of entertainment spirit of compromise and a spirit of perversion. And what three spirits sum up the condition of our world right now than that? David has to fight him in a valley called Elah. It comes from the root, root word fear because David has to go down into fear to fight Goliath. Goliath is a typology of the enemy we all fight. He's a type of the devil that every one of us are having to fight in this house. The spirit of Goliath is a spirit of intimidation. It's a spirit of intimidation and fear. But I've come to remind and encourage everybody in this house that while the devil may try to fight us and while he may try to intimidate us, there's no reason to be afraid because I know where to go in order to fight him. There's those who believe Goliath's name when you look at it at its original Hebrew meaning. There's people that believe Goliath's name literally means stripped. It's about to make sense and come full circle now. They believe his name means strip, brother poor. And they point to Colossians 2 and 15 as a cross reference. When Colossians 2 and 15 tells us by Jesus going to the cross and shedding his blood, this is what Paul says. He spoiled or he stripped principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Understanding those days after a battle had concluded The defeated commander was publicly humiliated in front of all of his men. The winning commander would then use the defeated commander as a footstool. And he then would capture his army and lead them down the celebration parade. It demonstrated to all those who were present that all power and authority has been transferred out of his hands and into my hands. And the devil was stripped. Paul says of all of his power and authority at Calvary, when Jesus shed his blood. And if Goliath means stripped, and if Goliath is a type of the devil, the Bible also tells us he hails from a city called Gath, which by the way means winepress. So maybe that's why the Bible tells us in Revelation, Jesus treads out the winepress alone. I'll be honest and admit, I've always misread that verse. Because I always thought it meant when it says Jesus treads it by himself, I thought it meant he had to do it because nobody else would do it. I thought that verse was implying Jesus tread the winepress alone uh, because he couldn't find nobody else to do it. Uh, but no, what it was telling us is this. Uh, Jesus treaded the winepress alone uh, because he was the only one that mattered. Uh, he was the only one needed to do it. Uh, and what the Bible is telling us is this. Uh, he treads the winepress alone uh, because it was at Calvary uh, when Jesus stripped the devil of all of his power uh, and made a spectacle of him. Uh, and when David calls Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine, it's because it was a covenant battle in the Old Testament circumcision was Old Testament covenant we got that but can I tell us covenants were not just for Old Testament people only but when you roll over into the New Testament brother Troy there's another covenant God makes with his people Because Paul writes again in Colossians 2 and 10 through 12, he says, and ye, speaking to those who are in the church, he says, ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Why is he the head of principality and power? Because he stripped hell of their power at Calvary. And when he stripped hell of his power at Calvary, Jesus took the faith, he took the keys of death and hell. He was taking all power and authority that the devil had possession of. And that's why he's the head of all principality and power, in whom also you are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands. Paul is saying, Old Testament covenant was physical, but now New Testament covenant is spiritual, because he says you are put off the body of the sins of the flesh. Here it is, buried with him in baptism. Can I tell everybody in this house, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name? There was a day when the blow was applied. And if the blood has been applied to your life, I've come to remind everybody in this house uh, that if you have been baptized and buried in the name of Jesus uh, and the blood has been applied to your life, uh, you're never at a disadvantage uh, and you're never the victim regardless of how much the enemy attacks. uh, Because if you have the blood applied to your life, uh, you can fight that battle uh, from a position of victory. Old Testament covenant was circumcision. New Testament covenant is baptism. Can I tell everybody in this house what you already know? Baptism is more than just a ritual baptism is more than just getting wet in water. It's more than just making us feel better, and it does. But can I tell us, baptism in the New Testament church is an entrance into covenant relationship with God. And when you go down in that water, yes, you get wet. But the blood that Jesus shed at Calvary that spoiled the devil then is applied to your life. And yes, it forgives your sins. But can I tell us, there's a line of protection you can stand behind. And you never have to be in intimidated again. I've come to preach fear and intimidation off some of you tonight and tell you that if you've went down in that watery grave of baptism, you've got the blood. You're inside a New Testament covenant. At Calvary, Jesus made the devil his footstool. And that's why David later prophetically writes and says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool. I'm telling somebody in this house, If the blood's applied to your life, the devil's under your feet. If the blood's applied, the devil has already been defeated. It doesn't matter how much he tries to fight, as the music would come if they would like. It doesn't matter how much they try to fight. If you've got the blood, you're never a victim. (laughs) David and Goliath has always been labeled the underdog story because they look at David and they look at how big Goliath was and they said David was the underdog. But that's not true. Goliath was the underdog. Because it doesn't matter how small you feel and how big your adversary looks. He's always the underdog when you sit and stand at the boundary of the blood. The blood's been applied. It's time to use what God's given the church. As we stand all over this house tonight, there is a weapon that God has equipped the church with. And I think it's time to activate it again. Brother Moore preached my message this morning when he said, I remember a day when we would plead the blood. Brother Troy, I remember growing up, my dad pastored in a huge city of Walnut. I remember being five, six, seven years old, laying under a pew, and I'd all, I remember to this day 25 years later I remember like it was yesterday elders in the church getting around people and saying I plead the blood over and over I didn't know what they meant then but I understand very well today listen when you plead the blood of Jesus it doesn't mean we're begging for God to come help us when we hear the word plead we often think of begging pleading please come But that's not what that word means at all. When you plead the blood of Jesus, you're literally telling every spirit of hell you cannot come any further. And I think it's time for some of us to plead the blood in this house one more time. Listen, the blood forgives you of your sin. The blood remits and removes. There's life in the blood. The blood saves. The blood redeems. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And thank God for it. Thank God for the forgiving power of the blood, Brother Moore. But can I also tell us the blood doesn't just forgive sin. The blood protects. And the blood preserves those who use it. And if you're in this house right now and you've got the blood, I wonder if you could just step out tonight and come stand around this front. You know what? I wonder if you can grab somebody in your family by the hand right now. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do things a little bit different tonight if it's all right. If you've got blood in this house, I want you to grab them by the hand right now. If you don't have family in the house, grab somebody because we're all a part of the same family. I believe somebody in this house right now is about to get militant the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. When the enemy comes in like a flood, there's an answer. The Spirit of the Lord is about to lift up a standard right now. There's an oath right now with the Holy Ghost God's about to put right down in the middle of somebody right now. And the enemy's going to have to start backpedaling instead of coming forward come on right now the rest of the service is between you and the lord come on it's time to activate the blood right now it's time to plead the blood over your family over your house over your marriage and your children come on right now all over this house turn this place into a prayer room and use what god has given That's the answer. That's the answer. Stand at the boundary of the blood. Use the blood God has provided. Devil, you can't have my kids. Devil, you can't have my marriage. Devil, you can't have my breakthrough. You can't have my revival. I'm standing in the blood.
2: You can't have my
0: Step further. I plead the blood over 2021. I plead the blood over 2021. Everybody's leaving 2020 with friends and worries and all this, but we're not going to do it. We're going to plead the blood of Jesus Christ over 2021. Hallelujah. We're going to believe it. Let's sing it. the lord tonight hallelujah my 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 what a word we have heard in this house tonight hallelujah man i'm telling you what it's done an outstanding job tonight to minister and to preach unto us the good word of god i'm glad i'm in the place of victory how about you I'm glad i on the right side of the blood. Amen. I want to stay on the right side. And I want to plead the blood. Amen. And work like God wants us to in 2021. All right. God bless you. You may be seated. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. God bless you tonight. Hallelujah. Brother Sanford will be back with us Wednesday night. And we'll do a little different this year. Instead of doing the communion and foot washing Thursday night right behind the Wednesday night service, which you could do it Sunday night. And, uh, you know, tradition's ours. We made the tradition as far as the new year and the old year and all this good stuff. But it'll work just as good Sunday night as it will Thursday night. And so with him coming Wednesday night, I just felt that would be the best thing. And, and if you don't want to come be a part of it, that's your, you know, everybody's got choices. Man, that hit me this morning. Brother Ford, said, you know, when he made it, and we know this, could have called the 12 legions of angels. He had that power of choice. But he didn't choose to do it. Sometimes, you know, we have, we got opportunities to make choices and we choose, you know, so let's make the right choices. Amen. No one's exempt. We want you to come be a part of it. Uh, Communion and foot washing. Amen. Praying for one another. Lifting one another up. Bonding together. Binding together. God help us. I plead the blood over this church and this community. Amen. That God can give us revival. Amen. God will give us revival in 2021. Revival in ourselves and outside of us. Amen, amen, but love you tonight, appreciate you, your response, your faithfulness, God bless you so much tonight, appreciate it so much, and uh, just looking forward to be back with you Wednesday night, but we got some things we got to take care of tonight, birthdays, birthdays, when we missed last week, amen, and this week, I knew you would be my first one, hallelujah, I'm surprised he didn't get on me Sunday, amen, when I didn't remember to do it Sunday night, amen, after the Christmas program, but I felt it'd be better to wait tonight and to to do it, so we're going to... Out. have we missed anyone else yeah. okay. Okay. All right. brother Troy Ford alright that's right thank God somebody's helping me out these old man forget <laughs> <laughs> praise God at least we got an excuse excuse now anyway hallelujah anyone else we don't miss no one seriously we don't thank god for birthdays both in the spiritual and natural man it's the favor of god the blessings of god we're thankful we want to celebrate with you all right let's sing happy birthday Give them a good hand hallelujah praise god now he was hoping for a thousand dollars he showed me that empty billfold this morning he got for christmas and said i gave my money away i said well i said we're going to help that thing out tonight he said yeah he said about a thousand dollars he said i can buy lots of clothes and toys with a thousand dollars i said well brother we'll sure do our best
1: <laughs> i'm telling
0: you appreciate these children Anniversaries, anniversaries, anniversaries. Brother JJ and Sister Yolanda, okay. I knew some of them. Brother Brad and Bale, all right. I can't remember the exact dates. I know it's in this month. They're close, the 31st, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So they're right behind us here. them a good hand tonight. Lord bless them. All right. Any other announcements? Any complaints? Everybody's good. All right. Lord bless you. Love and appreciate you. See you Wednesday night if not before. God bless you.